2: Hello and welcome back to Road Overtime and Road Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and as always I am joined by my co-host Sean Siegel. Sean, last week we thought we had a crazy week of NFL news and NFL information to catch up on. This week the news got even crazier, more insane, more trades, more things happening. Uh, more free and signing. A lot of fun happening this weekend. I know we joked on it a few times on the show recently about who may end up landing with the Chiefs. We did have somebody land with the Chiefs, and we're going to talk about them on today's show. That was Juju Smith-Schuster. Before that all went down, though, we did have the news that the Packers traded Devontae Adams to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, which was a, a big piece of information for me to wake up to. That happened uh, overnight uh, here in Ireland, and and waking it up, there was quite a, a surprise, but I think I've uh, you know adapted and let it adjust to my system at the moment. Devontae Adams being one of uh, my favorite Packers, I would say outside of Aaron Rodgers, probably my favorite Packer of all time. Uh, but as I mentioned to you before the show, delighted to see him get his big contract. Um, obviously, the disappointing part is reports, seemingly that the Packers were going pretty close to that contract. They're offering slightly more, um, but still wanted to, to go to the Raiders. But I think it's going to make for an interesting season for the Packers to see how they react to this now. Um, after making that trade but lots of stuff to talk about in today's show sean it should be should be a lot of fun
3: it should be and you dropped a little tidbit on last week's show that people were subscribing to youtube to see my reaction when the chiefs signed alan robinson instead of will fuller well that didn't happen thankfully Allen robinson has gone to the los angeles rams uh, they do have a, a good situation for him there where if there's a quarterback who can throw to a guy who basically just runs down the field and has a defender draped all over him. And then he's got to make a catch. Uh, Matthew Stafford is the guy to do it right. Matthew Stafford has some weaknesses, but he can unlock a player like that. I mean, if they'd gotten a good player, then that would have been better for their offense, but for the Kansas city chiefs, this is exciting. Maybe not will fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster does not have 4-3 speed. Does it now? Never did. Uh, May not have much speed at all left anymore, but still a young player with some interesting elements to his game. And we'll get to that in a little bit, column. But Devontae Adams, another one of these things where, you know, we put a lot of the blame. And when I say we, I obviously mean me. I put a lot of the blame on Aaron Rodgers for his fisticuffs or disagreements or what have you with the front office he seems like maybe he's not the only one who has a few concerns about some of the things there. Fortunately for you, the Green Bay Packers are owned by the fans. And so in the end, this will all get sorted out because the fans can't go wrong. Right. But it it is unfortunate, I think for Packers fans, although the upside with Aaron Rodgers there is that now they have the potential maybe to bring in some new blood, get some of these young wide receivers finally, Build around him in his late 30s the way he wanted them to in his mid 30s and i think that that element is exciting from the raiders perspective i mean we just continue to get an arms race in the afc west right you have russell wilson go to the denver broncos that appears to be a monster upgrade for them and makes them immediate super bowl contenders but one of the players that we were very high on last year drafted for a lot of teams have a lot in dynasty he got off to the fast start Then you have multiple very unfortunate things happening outside of his control, really torpedoing the Raiders passing attack. And obviously here I'm talking about Derek Carr. And the Raiders passing attack goes down. He doesn't really have the touchdowns that would go with some of the other things that he's doing, and yet still leads the Raiders to the playoffs where they play a very competitive game with the Cincinnati Bengals who go on and almost win the Super Bowl. Now he has Devontae Adams one of the three or four best wide receivers in the NFL if not the absolute best. It'll be an interesting question now. One of the things we get to see is just how good is DeVonta Adams? How much of that was Aaron Rodgers? Obviously it's going to be a little bit of both, but I think the flip side of it is that Derek Carr is a lot better than people realize. One of the reasons that Adams wanted to go there and now we have Carr in an offense where it'll be interesting to see if, what Josh McDaniels does as an offensive coordinator with the Patriots when he had a lot of talent. They scored a lot of points. When they didn't have a lot of talent, he kind of went into this shell. The Rangers now have Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and then Hunter Renfro, who, I mean, they've already talked about and the obvious connections exist there with the sort of Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type of player, this underneath dynamo. What are you thinking here for the Raiders passing attack? I don't necessarily think the gap between the Raiders and the Chargers. And the Broncos, two teams they made the playoffs ahead of last year. I don't know that the gap there is that big.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting part is going to be can they catch the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs are, you know, well ahead in terms of the 1A of this division, but I do think it's basically, you know, the rest of them are all pretty, pretty close. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this trade plays out. It could end up being a lose lose for both teams. um You know, we could see the Packers potentially really regret this, not keeping. Devontae Adams and we could see the Raiders are getting it if they can't make that leap to challenge some of these teams to try and get that playoff spot when it comes to the end of this season or the end of next season after giving Devontae Adams the, the contract and giving up the draft capital what I think is going to be definitely a fact this year is this division is going to be must watch all season long i think it's going to be a very fascinating race i think it's going to be kind of a little bit maybe like what we've seen a more spectacular version of what we've seen with the nfc west you know when we had the seahawks kind of at the top of their game with all four teams trying to to compete i think we're going to see something similar here but more offensively driven whereas those divisions were more defensively driven when it comes to what it's going to do for the actual fantasy impact I think the person that probably is going to hurt the most, I think is going to be Darn Waller. Um, but I also think that the offense should be better as a whole, which should lead to some more opportunities for him. It's going to be very, very hard to set up a defense to cover both Darn Waller and um, Devontae Adams. And of course you mentioned Renfro as well. And those short area rights in the red zone. So I think it will be very tough to stop in there. Um, I think it also affects Devontae Adams you know, ceiling. Um, I think, in terms of where he was in the first round and we were talking about him as possibly the wide receiver one i think we're going to see that slide back a bit um i, I don't think you can compare Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers as quarterbacks so i think you have to cap the upside there for Adams how do you feel the, the players obviously that are at the real top end of drafts are are Adams and, and Waller how do you see it affecting them are you like I don't think there's any way both guys can be in tight end. Premium leagues can be first round picks. I think I'm still targeting Adams over Waller, but but how much of an impact is it having positively or negatively for them?
3: Yeah, so with Devontae Adams, when we look at his positional rankings across the board last year, you know, third in targets, second in receptions, third in receiving yards, sixth in touchdowns, second in weighted opportunity, second in points per game, third in expected points per game. Obviously, he's in the top 10 in fantasy points over expectation. He really brings everything to the table there. And One of the things that Michael Hitchcock pointed out in his excellent article on this move is that Adams was also one of the most heavily targeted receivers over the last handful of seasons they're in the red zone. And especially once you get down inside the 10-yard line, the Packers were pretty pass-heavy. And so you look at that and you look at where Carr has struggled and not getting the touchdowns, and you see that as a potential limit on Adams, a potential boon to Carr. But I do think that one of the things that could happen here, we talk all the time about how the Packers were very – I don't know if plotting is the right word, but they – we're not a fast paced offense in terms of trying to run a lot of plays. They would get ahead. They would control the clock. They would limit the number of possessions. You know, whether you think that's good or bad for a team of the Packers caliber, it's not just something I expect to see with the Raiders. I think they'll go out there and I think they will try and score a lot of points more peak Tom Brady than manage the, you know, manage the ball, manage the clock Tom Brady at the end. And then what we obviously saw with Mac Jones last season and It's going to knock them both down a little bit. I think that Adams goes from really a very possible option at the 103-104 to now he's more at the 201. But, I mean, that's not a huge drop because the players that we're talking about in round one are very, very good. And so he slides down. He doesn't necessarily slide more than to the back end of that wide receiver one tier. And then you look at Waller. We did our best ball show recently we drafted uh, with Zach Kruger, it was a lot of fun. We were debating Waller versus Kittle at the 211. Now, I think this is probably Kittle, although again, we have this issue here where the reports out of San Francisco have been pretty consistently terrible, and so that aspect of it maybe moves both of those guys down. And you know, just sort of an aside, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, I think somebody who has to be kind of moving to close the gap with that group. Waller's not going to be able to draw the number of targets that he drew at the absolute peak when he was the only guy there but i think that he can be more efficient right we saw them really try and pepper him with targets to start the beginning of last season that wasn't extremely successful and so now i think he can go back to being this guy who's completely uncoverable because you're looking at trying to deal with Devonte adams on the other side of the field and then they have the underneath threat as well i think that this offense is going to be very explosive so i don't think it hurts them a ton and i think that Derek Carr now moves up to where you have to start considering him once someone like a Joe Burrow is off the board. And uh, that can be a little bit of a difficult fit to, to try and get yourself into with what the way that we've always looked at Derek Carr. But he was just too good last year. They're going to be too aggressive in 2022 to not do that. And, call him. I know that there have been a lot of early Derek Carr trade offers in Dynasty. So I, I don't think that we're the only ones kind of thinking that way.
1: Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Flagship Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with. You can send messages, get thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today. And I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional and we have a special offer for rotoviz listeners get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash rotoviz can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be so please check it out we're driven by
0: the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Sean, we teased it at the
2: start of the show, the news of Juju smith schuster signing with the Chiefs. People were messaging last week with some jokes around getting your reactions for depending on who, who signed with the Chiefs. Alan Robinson being the one that felt like he really didn't want to. Juju Smith-Schuster has landed in Kansas City. Um, what are some of your early thoughts there? Was What was your reaction? Was it a, a happy face, a confused face, a sad face? I know he was somebody you talked with, Ben, um, earlier this offseason in terms of somebody who you know, could follow that resurgence as his career goes on, obviously started his career fantastically well with the Steelers. Things haven't gone according to plan over the last two years, but still a lot of potential there and still a relatively young wide receiver. Right.
3: And so the relatively young part is interesting because one of the things that we look at here is that age matters, but health also matters. I mean, you think about some of our previous favorites and someone like a Hakeem Nix, like a Kenny Britt, Those guys were on the path to superstardom. You get dinged up. You're no longer the same player that you were. And suddenly it doesn't matter that you're actually still, you know, mid-career. You're not the same player. So you can't do the same types of things. And that's going to be the interesting question to answer with Juju here because we've actually gone through three seasons where it's very difficult to tell what he's actually like, right? So he comes out and through seasons 2017 and 2018, his first two years, He's one of the best young wide receivers ever. And that part of it gets us to where, you know, how much of it is him and how much of it is Antonio Brown? Because, I mean, we're looking at this and the only player better to play the first two years at age 21 and 22 is Justin Jefferson, right? And the next couple of guys, so the next player right in that group is Larry Fitzgerald. So, I mean, you're thinking of Justin Jefferson, you're thinking Larry Fitzgerald, you know, you look at how long and how well Fitzgerald played. and it seems like the sky is the limit, but he did have Antonio Brown drawing coverage and dictating what defenses were doing over, the, over those first couple of years. You look at that 2018 season, you know 111 passes over 1,400 yards, and he leads the NFL with 648 yards after the catch. And so you've got this big dynamic receiver who can do a lot of damage with the ball in his hands, and then you have 2019. And 2019 is the season where it seemed to confirm that Brown was the key part, that Juju was actually not the star. But the thing that we have to remember there is that this was the year where Ben Roethlisberger goes down and they're playing this combination of Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Both of those guys are just at at an absolutely catastrophic level in terms of how they played. With Rudolph, you've got a 37% air conversion. With Hodges, you've got 6.3 air yards per attempt. I mean, these are guys who could not do any of the things that a starting NFL quarterback needs to do. So that's going to prejudice you to an extent in terms of what the actual production can be. Then obviously he goes down in week 11 and does actually come back and play a couple games at the end, but it's not the same player. Then comes back in 2020, and all of a sudden you have Deontay Johnson, you have Chase Claypool. Juju has his target depth absolutely crater. And again, we seem to be getting more information that he's not the same guy. And yet you look at the numbers for those three players, including the playoff games, and they're in the same basic range with Juju actually leading in receptions. He leads in touchdowns. He leads in points per game. He leads in receiving fantasy points over expectation, and he's actually 24, the same age that Deontay Johnson is, right? And so from that perspective, there are some positives. Now, he still doesn't look like the same guy, and he's not doing some of those things after the catch that he used to do. So questions remain. The issue there is that Roethlisberger does come back for 2020, but he is definitely not the same player. His numbers drop to where he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, can't throw deep, doesn't have any accuracy. And so when you're looking at all three of those players, there's the potential that all of them are better than than they look. We come back 2021. It gets even worse with Ross, Roethlisberger. And Juju goes down with this shoulder injury in week five. He has a rib injury in week three that knocks his snap count down in that week. And so previous to the shoulder injury that ended his season, he was not looking good. A little bit of that is the week three injury. But again how much is Ben Roethlisberger and how much is Juju? And the answer is almost certainly both. But now you get to put him in this situation with a Patrick Mahomes. And you're talking about a similar type of situation to what we had or even a much better situation than we had when Cooper Cup goes from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. And so we look at that and you can dream a little bit. Now, the difference, obviously, between those two players is that cup was going to be the 1A. Juju will be the third target behind Ireek Hill, obviously, and Travis Kelsey and think, well, that's not great. But I don't think that being the number three receiver is that big of a deal. So Schuster was drafted in a range that I think made sense. It definitely didn't work out. But made sense last season when he was in a three man group there in Pittsburgh. Now, part of that was the potential that he could actually still rise to the top and be, if not the top guy, equal to Johnson and Claypool. Very unlikely that he could be the equal to these two guys here. But Nicole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, those guys combined for 172 targets last season and through week 17. They actually just had two fewer targets than Hill, but had more receiving yards, right? And so the question then becomes, how much of that target share does he take? Hardman's still going to be involved, but probably even a little bit more marginalized than he's been the last couple of years. Those Pringle and Robinson targets, you would expect go almost exclusively to him. And then you would expect that he takes a little bit away from Hill, a little bit away from Kelsey, if he's the guy that chiefs hope. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting here are the parallels between a couple of years ago when they signed Sammy Watkins, when Alan Robinson was also available. And at that point, you know, you're like, Robinson is probably the healthier player. Why were the Chiefs on Watkins instead of Robinson? That part worked out very, very poorly for them because until this very past year, Robinson still played better than Sammy Watkins. They have the choice again. They get a different player again than Robinson. This time, I think they made the right choice still very much up in the air though it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and what the difference in prices are where robinson and smith schuster settle down in terms of adp that will also give you a little bit of insight in how you want to play it for me it's going to be hard not to play juju regardless of price
2: yeah i, I would agree and one thing you said about the situation with roethlisberger and the situation with mahomes and i know he's going to be the you know at least the third option in this offense but there's no doubt that going where he could have been with the Steelers and where he is now, this is a much better situation. It's going to be a more explosive offense. There's going to be more opportunities to to get in the red zone and, and to put up those points. So I think if he can go in there and be the third option in this offense, and it's an offense we've never really seen a consistent third person step up and, and be in that role, but I think if if he can step up Juju could be a really really interesting play in fantasy this year. Sean I want to jump into the quarterbacks and look through some of the other moves of the last week. Last week we thought we've Aaron Rodgers and (laughs) he's signing with the Packers and everything's going to calm down now a little bit. I I can't remember who I seen somebody tweeted at the weekend the weekend before the Rodgers news that they were going to go to bed early because the next couple of weeks in the NFL were going to be crazy. Sometimes I wonder if the news is like you know almost scheduled as to when it's going to come out because it's so strategically dumb that we get breaking news that news lasts for a couple of hours or 24 hours and then we kind of cap that and we get something bigger but the last couple of days so we the first one was Aaron Rodgers re-signed then we had Russell Wilson he moves to the Denver Broncos then we have Deshaun Watson who ends up going to the Cleveland Browns after looked like he wasn't going to go to the Browns there was a lot of people and interested and Watson over the last week or so, and um, then we had Matt Ryan, who because the Falcons had been kind of linked into that, may have not been too happy. He ends up with the the Colts. The Falcons also re-signed Cordell Patterson involved in this, and the the Falcons get Marcus Mariota on a contract, and the Saints have re-signed Jameis Winston to a two-year contract. So there's a lot of moving pieces at the quarterback position still rumors around baker mayfield and will he be traded won't he be traded so i've never seen anything like this sean hopefully it continues because it's it's a lot of fun seeing all these moving parts and then trying to reevaluate the fantasy landscape based on that but what are some of your takeaways over the last kind of week or so with the the quarterback merry-go-round
3: well it feels like the big losers are the washington commanders and the new orleans saints
2: yeah, I, I, did, I purposely didn't mention that trade of uh, Carson Weiss because I don't think it matters.
3: <laughs> well, it, it matters if you have Terry McLaurin. And <laughs> it's just, it's hard to believe what a few of these teams have done. Because what you want to do is you want to create upside for the situation to work out, right? It's a little bit like, and it's unfortunately a situation where you really want to be bad or good. Now, For GMs and head coaches on the hot seat, maybe that's a little bit different, but being seven and nine, being eight and eight, that doesn't help you. And I mean, Carson Wentz, I mean, you're going to put an amazing team around him to get to eight and eight, right? And then you have a team like the Saints where they have a lot of these cap problems and they do need to rebuild in some ways, but they have some really cool pieces as well. You know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara have had some interesting trade discussions around Kamara with a lot of different people in the last week and it's just it's tricky for him because we saw the way new orleans ran their offense last season and to have a quarterback like Jameis Winston is it's just pretty devastating right because you have downside or you have downside if you put the handcuffs on him he doesn't move the ball. If you don't have the handcuffs on him, he throws a bunch of interceptions and you're going to lose the game as a result. He's not an NFL quarterback, right? He, he's a backup player. You'd much prefer to have someone like a Marcus Mariota who brings the high character to the table and brings that rushing upside, can do some of those types of things. If Mariota stays healthy, maybe he really helps your team. And so the Adam, Adam Falcons from that perspective, I think have to be pretty excited. They're at least rebuilding and moving in the right direction. You draft a rookie, and yeah, I mean, your bust percentages are extremely high, but your chances to hit on someone like a Mahomes or like a Watson before, obviously, all of this stuff happens, and then you completely revitalize your franchise, adding Wentz or adding Winston is just, it's mind-boggling in terms of how defeatist it is. Because it's going to definitely not work out in a way that means anything to you in the end. I mean, you're not going to be able to challenge legitimate playoff teams with those guys as your quarterback. And so those teams are the clear losers, the Washington Commanders losers, even before you consider just how much they actually gave away in terms of trade value that they could have made up in, in different ways. And so from that perspective, the Colts, who also have made sort of this high floor, low ceiling play, you know, they basically managed to move up in a couple of rounds in this draft and likely get a second round pick in next year's draft. And so from that perspective, you know, they've upgraded their quarterback position. They still have some options to add pieces around that quarterback. And yet, you know, now they have some of the things they can do in the draft as well. They've created more pathways as opposed to fewer pathways to get where you want to be. And especially when you're not there yet. And you've got a lot of pieces that have to fit into place and especially the big piece of the quarterback. That's what you want to do. You want to create as many avenues, not limit your chances to get things done. And so you have to really like that. It is interesting. Watson in Cleveland and Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, the teams that they have there now, both of those teams centered around elite running backs and so then the question becomes well what will the browns do with watson and i thought that connor did a fantastic job kind of looking through this in his trade reaction article on the site where he's number one saying look you have to take into consideration that we don't know what the suspension is going to be so especially for 2022 purposes be really careful in terms of how you approach this but then also this could go very pass heavy and hurt nick chubb or We could see the Browns do a little bit what Kevin Stefanski has done with his Minnesota teams to an extent, with his Cleveland Browns teams, where it's centered around this elite running game. And so you have Nick Chubb, and and you think about some of the teams that have had similar quarterbacks. Now to say similar, there are still key differences, right, between Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. And even though Russell Wilson is the best deep passer of the trio, or at least consistently the best, we've seen some elite results at some different points in time from Lamar Jackson Deshaun Watson, probably the best overall passer from the group and the one who can both do the scramble and extend plays type of offense and do some of the early in-the-play types of offenses, make those reads, get the ball out. And so there's more flexibility. There's more things you can do with him and be confident that he can execute them. But you look at some of the offenses or some of these quarterbacks that have some similarities in Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, very run-heavy despite not having Nick Chubb, and so especially if you are a coach who has that type of weapon, Nick Chubb absolutely unreal as a pure running back. I think you have to be a, a little bit concerned that this lowers the ceiling for Watson, especially also when your best wide receiver is Amari Cooper. You know, the Cowboys would tell you that Amari Cooper can't even get open when <laughs> C.D. Lamb is drawing coverage. When you have the guys in Cleveland drawing coverage, it's going to be tricky as well. Now, Deshaun Watson may actually be a pretty significant upgrade on Dak Prescott. But from all of those different perspectives, this is very interesting. So, Colin, where are you on this in terms of not so much the suspension? We don't know how it's going to work out. The football, the non-football side of things, there's a lot going on there that we won't get into. and, And certainly we respect people's differing opinions on that. But from a football perspective, how do you think the Cleveland Browns are going to play this?
2: I think there's no doubt in terms of the quarterback they have they have upgraded their quarterback position you mentioned the off the field stuff you know that will also probably factor into my decisions as to whether I have Sean Watson on any rosters this year so taking all that aside there's no doubt that the players that he's playing with in terms of the the, the skill position players are in a better position than they were two weeks ago and Baker Mayfield was going to be the quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they have Cooper there. There is reports that they're going to try and, you know, try and sign some of the guys that were with them last year who seemed like they wanted out, uh, and the likes of Jarvis Landry. So we'll see who they end up with. But I do think that some of the pass-catching options are going to be interesting in Cleveland, and we'll see where they fall with ADP. But the -the off-the-field stuff is is very, very concerning. And the other part is that, you know, if he ends up with a six-game suspension, that's going to, knock those guys down as well in terms of the skill position players that i mentioned and at the minute i feel like that's likely going to happen so cleveland is going to be an approach at your own risk moving forward um but yeah the 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 this is obviously the part we weren't really going to talk about in the show but the the information with what has happened over the last like two years with watson and seems to just have got brushed over the carpet over the last two weeks um is you know, concerning when it comes to the, I guess, the ethics of the NFL. But um, I think Matt Ryan, uh, the other quarterback that I think is interesting here, getting the move to the Colts, I think they've really upgraded. I know I've been a bigger Matt Ryan fan than you, Sean, on the, the podcast, but I do think that him going in there over Carson Watts, who I think was really, really poor uh, and and certain big spots last year for them. I think that Ryan been in there. Who if he may not hit the ceiling that he did when he got his MVP season, but he is somebody who can go in there, can deliver the ball on time, can deliver the ball downfield, but can also set up better situations for the guy who they want to get the ball, and that is uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor. So I think that is something that takes them from not to a team that's going to be a you know a Super Bowl favorite, but they are in the division that there is an opportunity for them to go and and win. And then, obviously, if you're in the playoffs, I think there's no doubt that Matt Ryan gives you a much better opportunity than uh, the aforementioned Carson Wentz. So Jameis Winston could be interesting. We'll see if the the Saints make any more moves. I think that he could be an interesting late-round target. I I don't think we're going to have the same situation this year that we did last year with, is it Helmer, is it Winston? I think it'll probably clearly be winston this year but interesting movements around the league as the the quarterbacks continue to to shuffle up Uh, we've never seen anything really like this before i don't think we'll see it for a couple of years anyway because these guys should be pretty much settled hopefully for a a couple of seasons but i do think the nfl approaching the trade market and the way they have over the last two years in particular and it's really only in the last five or six years that we've started to see more trades happen um you know at this point of the the year so I, i think that's fascinating to see how that develops moving forward some rapid fire news as we get ready to wrap things up we did have the buccaneers re-signing leonard Fournette today a three-year contract for him the buffalo bills signed duke johnson at the time of recording this, he has been signed. Uh, I know we did do a show last week or the week before where they had signed J.D. McKissick. Obviously, that reverted, and the, the commanders did get him back after that. Um, we also had the Titans acquiring Robert Woods in a trade uh, for a sixth-round pick. We had the Buffalo Bills signing Jameson Crowder to a one-year contract. The Eagles signed Zach Pascal to a one-year contract. Just going through them, Sean, um, I know the probably biggest one is going to be the Fournette uh, contract, but anyone that you want to hit out of that,
3: Well, Crowder is an interesting play for anybody who liked Cole Beasley late last season. And the Duke Johnson signing, again, gives a little bit of a feel for what the Bills were looking at there. It's another one where I think if you didn't know that they had signed J.D. McKissick, then you would be a little bit concerned that signing someone like a Duke Johnson still really opens the door for them to draft one of the star rookie running backs. Knowing that they did that, I think maybe now you're thinking, okay, well, they're looking here to add, they're probably going to do something a little bit different in the draft. Duke Johnson not going to take away those touches from Devin Singletary. Singletary really rises. That part is exciting. And at the same time, you always have to be a little bit conservative in terms of where you're going to draft these guys until the NFL draft is done every year. We go out and think, okay, a team is set at running back. It makes absolutely no sense for them to add, and then they do. Now, the Bills do a lot of things that would lead you to believe that they understand where the different edges are, and one of those things has been to use Josh Allen the way they've used him, pass a lot, run with him, not rely on the running game. You would expect that to extend into their draft philosophy, but you don't know for sure that that is going to happen. One of the things that will help us out a little bit is their – are a more limited number of these running backs that could hit a depth chart and really take it apart. Leonard Fournette going back to Tampa Bay, I think you have to put him at the top of this group of free agent backs. He and James Connor now have seen their values soar back up to where they were in the middle of last season. Expecting them to either either of those guys to handle the workload they handled at the peak, I think is. Not the way to play, but we understand that's the case with all running backs, even some of the other stars, the players who are being drafted in round one, round two. Both of those guys now have been going off at crazy values in early drafts. They should scream up. They'll move into a spot in a likelihood where they're actually a little bit dangerous, but that's a great move for his career. And we'll just kind of see how this Tampa Bay team works out, if they're able to stay a little healthier and make a, a big push to be Super Bowl, I say champions, but definitely contenders again in 2022.
2: Yeah, and uh, I want to make sure that we mention it in today's show. We are going to have some fun shows the rest of the week. Um, we're having guests on each and every week at the moment, and uh, we had Danny Kelly on last week. Great shows with him. We are going to switch it up this week. We've been talking a lot of draft. Uh, We're going to take a break from it this week, I believe, and we're going to have Denny Carter on um, from NBC Sports Edge. It's always great talking to Denny, and we're going to, I'm sure, have some fun. I know there's some wide receiver talk planned, so I'm sure the listeners will be enjoying. Now, that will be on the Thursday podcast. We may even have him back for the Saturday podcast, but we definitely have him locked and loaded for the thursday show as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a rotavis nfl pass if you use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for further information that is going to bring us to the end of this edition the first show of the week we will have three shows coming your way this week as well and make sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for stealing bananas which will be coming out this week as well my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean Siegel. check out all of sean's work up on com. i know some of the information we talked about juju smith schuster is going to be posted quite soon from sean up on rotoviz so check that out and until we're back on thursday have a good one